Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Hello to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today, we get to welcome Timothea Horwell, CMO of Orion Protocol, for what is actually round two uh, for her for Lunar Crush Live. So super stoked to have her back. Um, awesome like sentence here. Orion's Protocol's terminal seamlessly aggregates bottomless liquidity for major exchanges, centralized and decentralized, providing rich trading tools in one easy-to-use platform powered by ORN. We're going to learn a lot more about that today, along with some other things that they are launching. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, if you could be so kind to hit that subscribe button and make sure you get notified when we have some future live streams. Um, and on Wednesday, we'll be interviewing the team from FIRE. It's 5 Ire, a sustainable, dri sustainability-driven blockchain project launching here pretty soon. Um, and finally, as always, our disclaimer, um, we do not take payment for our live stream. We invite fun people who have dedicated their careers and lives to the crypto and web three space. Um, and also Mr. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm good. I want to add one other thing to that. I think, uh, yeah. you know, after this week, probably sometimes towards the, the latter part of next week, we're going to do lunar crush live with lunar crush. Oh, and, and we're going to talk all things, lunar crush, what's coming, what to look forward to. And there is a lot to talk about. So I'm super excited about that. Cool. Awesome. Well, that'll be exciting. And uh, without further ado, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Good morning. Everyone. Yeah. How are you? Welcome. I'm good. Um, a little bit tired. We've been up since about two, prepping for Orion Bridge launch this, launch this morning, but it went all uh, pretty smoothly. So um, really happy, albeit tired. So. <laughs> well, congrats on that. Yeah, I was yeah. already in there starting to mess around with a little bit and uh, checking it out. It looks really good. Nice. Um, so before we get going, we always like to start with where are you in the world and what's it like there today? Uh, I'm in Miami, Florida. As you can see, it's quite sunny. But as I always say, I literally don't go outside. So um, just get to enjoy it from the window. <laughs> it, wasn't it like going to like snow down there or like it was like getting close to it? It was like high, yeah. like high 30s or something. What? Well, so I don't know Fahrenheit, but in Celsius, it got down to like four degrees, which I'm assuming is like 39 yes. or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see everyone here with like puffer jackets on and scarves. I'm walking around in shorts because <laughs> I'm still, you know, for me, this is still pretty warm. So, um, yeah, I yeah. saw Do people in uh, Miami even own jackets. Yeah, they love it. Like they have, they start selling winter clothes in like August, September, and everyone, you know, everyone pretends it's cold. So, <laughs> I saw a really funny um, TikTok post of it was like a guy talking about like tourists and then he zooms in on a guy in the ocean still with his like shirt off mm -hmm. and then it was like recently moved new yorkers and then it was just like people kind of like out of their element and then it was like zoomed up on someone like local and it was like a guy on the beach with like a full hat like yeah. full like parka <laughs> like jacket on and just like i was like that explains miami in a nutshell right now well except missing the crypto bros walking around in, in gucci tracksuits and stuff now which i seem to know <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't wait! Can't wait to get back down and and, yeah. and see it. I love it down there. Um, so yeah, you came you came on the show. Looks like it was April last year. Yeah, almost. Um, which feels like you know, in crypto time is like wow. an eternity. Yeah. Um, but like, wanted to just hear your thoughts on just the industry as a whole, kind of since mm -hmm. April last year, and and what's transpired since then. Well, I guess 2021 was really the year that um, you know we saw mainstream adoption of crypto with. NFTs, um, El Salvador, you know, adopting Bitcoin as its legal uh, tender. 
But I think also 2021 was the year we saw, we saw astronomically high gas fees, you know, and there are so many projects in the space trying to work towards um, addressing this. But I think, you know, it, it is, I mean, we were talking, you know, the other day about ETH 2.0 now called the, the consensus layer and when right. that's actually happening and what the impact will, will actually be. But I suppose so many projects are in the meantime having to resort to um, working out ways to eliminate that high gas fee, you know, um, themselves. So that's something, a bit of a self-serving answer there, but because that's something that we are working to address with Orion Bridge. Um, but I think in general, the space, you know, obviously the market's a little bit volatile right now. Um, but I think, you know, there's there's so much to come. And I, I think if anything, there's volatility in these down days makes people really reconsider what they're actually investing in. Like, and, and I think we'll see a, a return to fundamentals ultimately because, you know, that, that those are the projects that will you know, um, make it through a, a bear market, in my opinion. And and what would you, and it's awesome that you say that because it's, it's almost like a very similar answer is like, you would hear someone talk about on CNBC, but they're talking about like the return to fundamentals. Like, hey, we're going to invest in like railroads, you know, we're going to invest in infrastructure and logistics. Like, what is fundamentals in cryptocurrency or Web3? I guess it varies dependent on the project, but I think you know, it's about having utility rather than just a, a speculative token that price moon, price go up, big green candle. Actually having, a, they're solving real world problems. You know, if, um, a ton of projects that I'm big fans of like Alliance Block and Coty, they're actually identifying issues in the space and, you know, creating the infrastructure to to um, you know, bridge that gap between traditional finance and crypto. Yeah, no, for sure. It It's interesting because it, it, it has been so speculative over the last couple of years and people launch these projects with a promise of the future, which, you know, is, is kind of, I think, similar to a lot of like traditional startups of what they do. Like you're selling your vision and people invest in a team and there's no product yet. But hmm. when it's so public and there's you know it's like a public road what is a public roadmap right because yeah. it's like if you're competing if Chainlink is competing against someone like an api3 are you going to let them know every single thing that's going on or yeah what's, what's happening there so it's this kind of like balance um in between that and um which is kind of leads me into what you guys are working on and you know yeah. we we talked about interoperability and how important that is and um, I saw that the tagline was a bridge to end all bridges. <laughs> Bold, we're already going for yeah, it. Yeah, quite the statement. So <laughs> why why is that so? And maybe you can just kind of work in like what is a Ryan pro protocol before that and then kind of talk about the bridge. Yeah, no, of course. So for those unfamiliar, Ryan protocol, it, we are building a, a single point of access to the crypto market. And we are currently the, the first and only platform to provide decentralized access, as you said, to centralized exchanges, decentralized liquidity and, and swap pools in one place directly from your wallet. So what we're doing and why Ryan Bridge is important for this is we are we're bringing together previously siloed markets from centralized and decentralized liquidity sources across multiple chains into into one seamlessly aggregated order book. So. For the first time, we're enabling users access to you know, the liquidity of, of Binance, of KuCoin, Ascendex, you know, soon to be Crypto.com, Uniswap, PancakeSwap, and more in one order book to get the, the best possible price for your trade. So critically, um, there's, there's no compromising your assets or information in order to access this liquidity. So you, know, you don't have, um, you don't need an account, you don't need KYC, and therefore there are no regional restrictions and you trade directly from your wallet. 
And so for us, Orion Bridge and kind of what we've said in, in comms is the, the first step towards um, market-wide interoperability because I think we've really reached this point, and I, and I say this all the time, but of like peak fragmentation of, of the market and you know, we have increasingly different asset types built on, on different blockchains, held on different exchanges, and then you know, the result is these incredibly siloed pools of liquidity without that infrastructure to bridge them together. And I think really the industry, as much as we all talk about interoperability, it's still really too siloed to evolve to a state of full interoperability that I think we really need for mainstream adoption without a solution that kind of sits across the entire market. And our, our, um, our strap line is you know, the, the gateway to the digital asset market. But to become that, we can't just provide you know, siloed access to exchanges and, and blockchains as, as others are doing. And we really want, you know, we exist. And the reason we came about was to, to bridge the gap between the centralized and, and decentralized worlds of crypto. So we want to emulate that, that trading experience of a centralized exchange in one seamless view of of assets on different chains with the, the security and kind of ownership of assets on, on a decentralized exchange and enabling users to, to retain ownership of their, of their assets. So for us, Orion Bridge is the, the first step towards this. And, and we have two current implementations. Um, one is the, the bridge itself and two, we've actually integrated it into the back end of, of the terminal. Yeah, so maybe Sounds clarify that a little bit with the building. Is it that just like a, an atomic swap or like how is so it's like you're just swapping on the exchange, but you're swapping potentially from like, you know, Tether on Binance Smart Chain to Tether mm -hmm. on Ethereum, but as like a trade. But I guess yeah. that would be a good example because you might just want to bridge that. But like trading it from like Tether on Binance Smart Chain to like Chainlink on Ethereum and like one trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, they are native layer one assets. And I think that the critical part of atomic swaps here is that in the last two weeks alone, we've seen multi-chain get exploited. We've seen Qubit get exploited. And I think you know, $84 million in total. And the reason that they were exploited is because when you are uh, swapping on, on multi-chain or on Qubit, you're actually minting new assets, so wrapped assets. But because we have, um, you know, we're built on atomic swaps, it's literally an exchange of one native asset for another. There's no need for minting of, of assets that, and um, or there's no wrapped assets involved. So, um, it, and also the process is called atomic because it implies that the procedure can't be stopped halfway through, you know, so um, it either occurs completely or, uh, it, or it doesn't occur at all. And therefore there is no way to, to, to falsify or, or cheat this the system. Can can we get maybe um, you know a little more definition on what atomic swaps are to maybe mm -hmm. our audience that yeah, is, it might be a new term to some of them? Yeah, so I think atomic swaps like people have probably heard them being spoken about, but very few people have actually implemented them. Uh, they are automatic exchange contracts that essentially allow two parties to trade tokens from from two different chains. Um, so. We, as I said, I know one chain we're, we're working on atomic swaps. There's a lot of smaller projects, but until now, and particularly in the bridge space, no one has has implemented um, atomic swap technology. So it's based on um, hash time locked contracts. So um, I, I won't go into the details of like if this then that, but it's essentially um, a the, the initial user provides uh, a secret that only the other broker can unlock. And then that that 
receiving that secret phrase uh, then enables them to transfer that asset. And um, the I think a critical part here is that you don't lose ownership of uh, of your funds until you receive the corresponding funds on on the other network. Versus being held like in a in a smart contract on the what is, right. what is essentially a bridge, which is interesting because yeah. I feel like we were talking about like a year or two ago, it was all about like atomic swaps. Like we were talking mm -hmm. about atomic swapping, but like that word kind of went away and yeah. it like turned into like bridging. Oh, I'm bridging here. I'm bridging there, mm -hmm. um, which is like it's kind of interesting because you think about now it's being held like in these contracts, which like, you know, for most parts, someone else built, right, mm -hmm. depending exactly. on the project out there. But I think it's like, like you're saying, the bigger problem is like this, it's, you know, a bifurcation of all these different chains. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it is kind of a pain in the butt to like, yeah. you know, utilize. It's like, how do you, oh, you want to be on all these different chains and you want to get access to those audiences that are there. But like creating utility on each individual chain is another problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's like, oh, do you have staking on just one chain? So now the other chain is like, what is actually the purpose of being over there? It's like, oh, well, that's like there's different utility in different places. And so I, I think you guys are this is going to help solve some of that. Yeah. Well, and also, I think an important thing to note is as, as much as these these chains or these um, bridges rather are kind of positioning themselves as, as decentralized, they're not truly decentralized. They are reliant on layers of validators. Um, so they're vulnerable to 51% attacks. And because we are not just an atomic swap bridge, we're a peer-to-peer -peer atomic swap bridge. There is only one counterparty involved. There's the user and the broker with whom you're switching, um, you know, exchanging assets. So the, the transactions are recorded on every peer's network. So it's computationally impractical to be able to kind of overwrite or, or falsify ledgers in, in this instance. So, um, I think a huge benefit of peer-to-peer -peer networks, as well as the the fact that they just become infinitely scalable based on on you know more people using them. So we've released V1 with uh, just Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain and, and a handful of assets, but we will be adding more assets weekly. But I'm personally really excited about V2 because we're going to be adding in uh, our public broker network. So this means that you know anyone with sufficient liquidity can provide um, access to an asset any asset on any chain. And so I think that's really where, where things get interesting because that that will take us to the point of being able, you know, to provide people access to to any asset on any chain on, on any exchange, which is really our, our end goal. Are there any specific chains you're you're, eye, you're eyeballing to kind of prioritize on that? Yeah. So our next chain, um, which we should be releasing pretty soon is Phantom. Obviously Phantom have been, you know, killing it lately. Um, mm -hmm. but also you know, really low cost, high speed, fantastic team. Um, they're, they're now third in, in TVL or constantly kind of fighting for that. Um, and there's just, yeah, a lot of a lot of interest around Phantom, but uh, the next the next chain we'll be looking at is, well, we are currently integrating it is Matic. And then we've partnered with you know, most major chains like Cardano, um, Hobie Echo Chain, um, Avalanche. So oh, okay. over the Elrond. So over the course of the, the next year, we will be bringing all, all those chains on. Um, but yeah, Phantom is our kind of priority right now. And the the way that we've justified the um, you know, the, the how we decide what chain we integrate next is based on the volume that they can bring to our terminal. So with Phantom, 
we actually have a, a B2B uh, solution partnership for our, our um, wallet swap SDK. So we're going to be integrating a right. Oh dear, that's really annoying. Um, sorry about that. Good. <laughs> um, so we're going to be integrating um, Orion liquidity into Phantom's F wallet. So for us, uh, I think this is really like key because obviously we we want to bring more users to the terminal itself and more and more volume to the terminal itself. But by providing access to our liquidity in a you know, successful um, wallet used by millions of users that enables millions of people access to Orion liquidity. So it's kind of like a, an extension of our offering there and being able to, to indirectly grow uh, Orion's you know, liquidity and, and volume. Before we get into the kind of the, because uh, I want to go into that kind of broker network and how you guys kind of source liquidity, just one more thing on the bridge and it's on the swapping. So yeah. it's like, like, you know, if, if I'm a project and I'm on just Ethereum, and I want to bridge over to to finance smart chain, or I want to have like access to that. Um, with a bridge, normally those those you know tokens are sent across a bridge. Then it's like the Ethereum is now locked up in that smart contract, right? And then now we're minting new tokens on the other, on the other side. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that with the swap here, um, essentially there is no like you're you're burning those tokens on one side in effect on the Ethereum side and now they're populated on the other side. And when that swap is being done, I'm just wondering a little bit about like circulating supply and total supply mm -hmm. and kind of keeping track of that. So we're not burning them. That's what, sorry, excuse me. I just choked my water there. Everything's going wrong right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so um, we are not burning them. I mean, that's what like multi-chain do. They will mint assets like um, any die and then burn on one side and then, you know, but that's that's not what we're doing because we tap into centralized exchanges they have assets on on various different on various different chains so we can just pull erc20 eth for example or erc20 usdt and then exchange it for someone's bb20 usdt so uh, there's no burning these are the the, the the native assets that we are exchanging using this this broker network okay so the project still has to create that that contract on the other side and whether it's like minting on that side or they're kind of creating some supply over there. And then once that's completed, then they can kind of access this liquidity. Well, yeah. So there's no creation of supply. The supply already exists. So we have our broker, our brokers have assets um, in their broker account. So, you know, our limitation is really only what the, the brokers have in their possession. But as I said, because our brokers are the likes of KuCoin, Ascendex, mm -hmm. you know, Com, they have sufficient liquidity so there's no need to create new assets they they're already holding them and they're they're monetizing their their idle assets got it so i have a, I have a question and, it, and it's more on the like the kyc part of things and the user experience and I, I keep thinking of you know every time i set up a new exchange that entire cumbersome process which is different depending on which exchange you're working with of KYCing. Mm -hmm. And that process of like, hey, make sure you're holding up your ID and you're smiling at the same time yeah. and upload the photo <laughs> and like all this stuff. And 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 it, it's just, you know, it's it's so interesting that, you know, I can just connect a wallet on Orion and start using it. And, you know, some of those exchanges that, that you mentioned, it's like to actually sign up on those exchanges is cumbersome. It takes a lot of effort, even with their best yeah. effort to try and make it as easy as possible. Um, yet I can trade on Orion without going through any of that. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just curious your thoughts. I mean, where does this evolve to? I mean, technically I'm trading with KuCoin or Binance on Orion without KYC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over there, I have to go through all that. Where, where does this evolve to? Well, where this evolves to is actually our, um, another solution that we have in the pipeline that we're ready to launch pretty soon, which is a wallet, uh, a white label DEX. So we're working with a number of major centralized exchanges to provide access to their centralized liquidity in their own decks. So you know, right now we're doing that on, on Orion Terminal, but we are creating branded DEXs, branded by you know X exchange. I can't say who they are right now, but um, for them to, you know, rather than cannibalizing their existing offering or siloing their liquidity, and we've, we've seen centralized exchanges try and create their own decks, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. And as I said, like you end up just siloing and splitting your offering. What they can do via Orion is provide access to their existing centralized liquidity, but in a decentralized way. So we are rolling this out pretty soon. We're just we're waiting on on timeframes from um, the the first major exchange, and then we will be kind of following that up and and rolling it out with a, a number of other exchanges. So that's where I see that headed. So sounds ex- super exciting. Wow. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good luck. Good luck in this space. A lot yeah. of moving parts. I mean, so normally with the decks, you know, you've got this like liquidity pool, you've got like an AMM. And mm-hmm. so like, how do you guys, how are you guys kind of like showing that depth in the market when you're tied to kind of this like broker network? And so it's like, are they putting up? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually not coming through a lot here. So okay. I, I okay. hear us. Yeah. Um, so how, like, how are you guys tying in that broker network to the actual like order books and like liquidity and like, can someone come on and just pl- like, you know, place a massive order? So, cause it's like, I know, you know, Hey, if Michael Saylor is going to go buy a ton of Bitcoin, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like, they like, you know, MicroStrategy is going across like Coinbase and Kraken and, and Binance. And, um, I think it's like NYDIG and all of these that are out there and they're just buying up some of the market. So is that kind of the, the point of this is so that people can, from a decentralized way, also kind of tap into that same like deep liquidity? Yeah. For sure. And, you know, it's our, our goal this year to improve our liquidity that we do have limited um, sources that are integrated into the terminal right now. But um, you know, we the, the last year has really been spent on, on optimizing our infrastructure and getting everything right in the onboarding process. So from from this point forward, we can onboard new centralized exchanges a lot um you know, a lot faster. So someone could come on and, you know, if they wanted to place a, a massive buy, that order is not just going to get filled by one broker necessarily. It can be partially filled across, you know, five different exchanges for the best possible price for them or inversely if they wanted to sell. Um, you know, it, it, it makes sense. You're, you're able to, to get that best price and, and do it, you know, um, tapping into a, a number of different exchanges by doing so. Yeah, because I mean, I saw the pools like there's there's a lot of pools. But then I also when I saw like the trading and like the listing, it's like I didn't see like a Chili's pool, but I could trade Chili's. Yeah, so the pool is something that I think we launched it just after our our live stream. Actually, we initially launched it with just uh, own pools. Now, um, you know, in a bid to enable people to to list any access they want, so provide uh, any asset they want, providing someone has like 10K uh, liquidity, 50-50, they can create a pool for any asset. So, um, I mean, a lot of assets we have already pulled from centralized exchanges, that's why there aren't pools for them. But 
what we're aiming to do is in the, the most liquid pools to also pull liquidity from, from centralized exchanges where, where we can as well. See, that, so, that's what I think the, the rub that people well, might not understand how important that is of like, so if, you know, I went and created a, or say there's a Chili's pool, we'll just use Chili's, I love Joe, correct? Mm -hmm. So there's a Chili's pool um, <laughs> on the, uh, that I that we create mm -hmm. like on Orion, but then also they're listed on, like you're saying, KuCoin and Ascendex and some of these other places. So yep. they're kind of, those are all kind of commingled into the same book so mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, it's the best price, the, the best time across all of those exchanges. And it's like, I think people don't realize like at each of those centralized exchanges, there could be one to 10 different market makers and traders, like people that are creating those markets as well. Yeah. And so there's a lot behind the scenes, especially when it comes to the centralized exchanges. Mm -hmm. So it's like by creating even a smaller pool on Orion, you're getting access to much more. So you don't need to come there and create this like, hey, you got to put up 250,000 on both sides to like just kickstart a pool. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that provides amazing arbitrage opportunities, you know, for uh, I've seen arbitrage negative spread on the terminal, like up to negative 16% sometimes. And, um, you know, I, that, I don't see that anymore because people are, we have like our bots and things like that running from our, from our SDK. Um, but yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity to be able to pull in decentralized liquidity and centralized liquidity into one one order book because that's where we often see the most you know, discrepancy in, in prices um and i think you know one of the reasons why we get a question all the time like why haven't you integrated uniswap or pancake swap yet which we are going to shortly it's not difficult to pull in um uniswap or pancake swap liquidity you know we could if we were just a, another dex or another another fork uh uniswap fork we could do that tomorrow it's more about how do we pull that liquidity in and display that liquidity alongside, you know, centralized exchange order books. So, um, yeah, that and in a, you know, um, in in one environment that enables users to um, you know, see every single transaction, every single you know order. So uh, that has been something that's taken longer than expected. But yeah, as I said, in in the next month, uh, we will be rolling out uh, more decentralized exchanges onto the onto the protocol. So, so you mentioned Uniswap and I, I always think of Uniswap as like, it's really great if I'm going to place like a massive trade, it's, it's a place for whales to operate because the fees are not the lowest Yeah. and, but the slippage is, is, is better than elsewhere typically. Yeah. And so like, you know, I guess when you look at this, you know, that's a certain user type on, on Uniswap mm -hmm. and, and I guess where, where do you see the core user for Orion? Is it is it everyone because it's sort of aggregating all this stuff, or is there is it for smaller trades? Mm -hmm. um, what, what are you looking at? I suppose it, I suppose it depends because it's kind of fragmented depending on what what chain you're using. Um, because of at least when we launched the relative complexity in how to use the the terminal order, it, it does tend to be you know seasoned traders versus someone who's completely new to crypto. But we are you know. You know, doing what we can to optimize that UI. You know, we've just uh, last month introduced a fiat on ramp uh, through MoonPay, uh, depositless trading. So we're trying to make it as simple to use as possible because like, reducing that friction, removing that friction is the only way that we will achieve market-wide adoption and pull in people who, who don't necessarily understand how to use a DEX. Like our goal is to to replicate a centralized exchange user experience, but as I said, with a uh, the security of a, of a decentralized exchange. So, 
It's a great, great perspective to you, you improve the user experience and that that is what onboards a wider audience. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. It takes time, but I think that's the, the biggest issue in DeFi right now, right? That that learning curve of how to understand and, and use all these different platforms and the, the fear of messing up or sending your assets to the wrong, you know, to the contract address or something. Um, so I think it's just, it's about simultaneously providing that education and also, um, you know, creating a, a better user experience. So. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that actually the other day of just like, you know, the fact that there are these EVM compatible chains and they're all using like the same address. Like mm -hmm. imagine if like just the way somehow the technology was set up that like each of one of those had to be a different address. Yeah. Like how much money would be lost between like people going to Polygon to Binance Smart Chain to Ethereum back and around if those were all different addresses. Cause I guarantee people have been yeah. like, shit, I sent it to the, oh no, it's the same. Like lucky. <laughs> sent that um, yeah I, well i mean it happens all the time like we we recently launched a initiative initiative called solar flare so um we are it's essentially like a, a an extension of a launch pad so it's a completely democratic process there's no there's no first come first serve there's no minimum there's no maximum and the really the market and the community control the the value and and ascertain the value of the, of the project but uh, we, we worked with Victoria VR, Chumbi, and both projects have done like 200x or so, and we've seen like 10x for, for solar, flare, flare, solar flare participants. But yeah, we saw people sending funds to the address from, from a centralized exchange. So they're definitely, there are people who, and I'm, I'm not going to blame them there. I think people should definitely do, you know, do more research before sending funds somewhere. But it, it is difficult. It is complex. Um, and they, um, a lot of people, particularly when it comes to the opportunity to make money in an idea, will just jump quickly before understanding the implications of, of what they're doing. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's up to us to, to make that process as, you know, to limit um, the room for human error, I suppose. Yep, well said. It seems like an interesting thing, like especially if you're talking about farming, because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that ends up, you know, necessitating tons of trades because you know, you go on there one day on any decks and you're like oh wow it's a six thousand percent you know apy this is yeah. amazing and then you come back the next day and it's 1500 and then there's another pool that's got twelve thousand percent now and then mm. you're in there and you're moving around you don't realize that like wait a second this one gave me a penalty because i left it too early or um, there was a small fee or there's slippage or like all this all this stuff happens you, you end up finding yourself trading into oblivion versus yeah. having a strategy a lot of times it's a lot I of think, trades a lot of errors i think we, we kind of saw the like the demise and then the rise again of like these super inflationary assets and we saw what happened with time and all like bomb forks recently right i mean like offering i think that i saw snow dog at one point offering a an apy that didn't even fit on the page um, <laughs> and, <laughs> because the asset probably was like a thousand zeros point oh one right exactly yeah. well but it's, we, I mean, we, we saw that drop. We saw focus on, you know, people like moving away from inflationary assets. But then I think after the success of, of Olympus, people jumped back in. But now a lot of people have been hit by that recently. So I think, again, you may be um, looking for APYs or APRs that aren't as appealing as, as, you know, they fit on the page still, but it's for a not, not an inflationary asset or, or it's, by, it's a, a team or project with fundamentals versus just like Ponzi's. So. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a re- that's like a real developer heavy like farm rotation. Like I feel like there's yeah. people that I like I know made a lot of money off of that, but it's like mm-hmm. to the average like retail investor, like you know, this is obviously not financial advice, but like you're never going to catch up with those people. Yeah. Ever, right. So it's like you might have like a, like a little bit of fun, and I feel like it's a great place for people to actually go learn like mm-hmm. how all this stuff works is just go mess around all these taxes, but it is difficult. Yeah. Well, um, by the time you know about it, it's too late probably. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. If you're, if you're the one that's aping in late, um, yeah. but that's, that's sometimes the fun of it. So, so is there, are there, or go ahead, John. Yeah. If you got, well, uh, I, I want to, I mean, related to this, I think there's a pretty, yeah. you know, general question to ask of, of like, how do DEXs make money um, in general? You know, how, what is the, what is the model? Mm-hmm. Well, so are we kind of two layers there. Firstly, is is trading fees on the terminal. Um, so it's uh, 0.2% if you use ORN and, and 0.3% if you use another asset. But uh, in, similar to how what I said for the, the wallet swap SDK, we have a multitude of revenue streams that are, the terminal is just one revenue stream. So... It, it all essentially comes down to the, the trading fees and, and the terminal volume, the protocol volume rather. But as I said, using other other projects and other companies as vehicles for that volume. So the the um, you know the white label decks, for example, will be tapping into millions of users, taking a percentage of that transaction fee. That um, that you know Exchange X, for example, um, creates to provide decentralized access to their liquidity on a, a DEX that we've created and uh, via our broker network. Um, for the wallet swap SDK as well, that, that you know, we'll be taking a percentage of every single transaction on via, in these wallets via Orion liquidity. So um, yeah, as I said, the, the terminal is just one solution. And I, I think the, the volume for our, our B2B solutions will you know, far surpass that of, of the terminal itself, just because of the, the, the scalability of it, really. That's really super, super interesting. We we have the same perspective on that. There's a huge B2B opportunity. Yeah. And, and and I think when you when you look at like that, you know, when I asked like how do DEXs make money, and when we say make money, does that does that mean like does that money get locked up in US dollars or does that go into say like the ORN token? Or is it like a combination of both? Like how do you look at where that all goes? So the the primary focus of our of our of all of this volume and the the um, transaction fees is uh, staking rewards for for ORN holders. So we haven't launched mainnet staking yet um, because we have been focusing on driving that volume first. But um, a percentage of every single transaction on the protocol, obviously, ORN takes a, a small amount, but um, a lot of it goes to will will we'll go to when we launch mainnet staking to to ORN holders themselves. So. Um, I think that you know a lot of people are waiting for these B2B solutions to be live because, as I said, they, they can bring so much volume and therefore so you know so much in the way of, of transaction fees. And that we wanted to create a model like this because we're not minting new assets for, for staking rewards. So we're not an inflationary token. Um, we, I mean, we also continually remove tokens from circulation. As I said, we don't say the B word here for, for legal reasons, but. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> don't know if you guys have the same thing, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're continually reducing both circulating and, and total supply. Um, and then, you know, as I said, our, 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 our staking rewards will, will come from transaction fees versus minting any new assets. And, and Timothy, is there 
and like other API docs that you guys have and people can kind of mm -hmm. like trade via API today? Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, Orion SDK v1. I know a lot of people have built um, like arbitrage bots. Uh, so you can arbitrage not just within Orion Terminal, but with uh, exchanges we haven't connected yet, like Kraken and, and Coinbase and Hobie, whoever. Um, we are also going to be launching soon. Uh, this is an initiative that our new um, UI UX developer, Helios, is building called Orion Builders. So essentially it it kind of pulls together a lot of what we're doing and make and makes it a like out of the box solution for people so that you can um rather than just pulling the code this it makes it basically a rhyme protocol accessible for people who don't even know how to to code or um yeah. oh nice comment thank you <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna say thank you for the comment but i don't think i can pronounce his name <laughs> I, I just saw the fire emojis so um so yeah, essentially it's it's bringing our goal is via our, our B2B solutions via our, our um, you know our SDK kit is to have an open source around protocol so anyone can build on it. Um, and yeah, what I, what Helios is, is building is a the tools so people can like you're not uh, limited by coding ability or contacts or you know. Um, you have to be at a, a big company and, and, and have certain partnerships. Like anyone can build on Orion protocol. So uh, I can definitely share the, the API with you guys yeah. and share it with the communities. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Cause I, I feel like, you know, there's like the centralized exchanges that allow you to create API keys, you know, because they mm -hmm. want volume and they want market making and they want small spreads and they want depth on those markets. Right. And it's one thing to have to connect up to all of these different exchanges, right? And it's like, hey, it's free and I have to create my own system in order to do that. You guys mm -hmm. are kind of creating like a middleware value add there where it's like, hey, if I'm trading on Orion I'm, and I'm doing market making there, I'm mm -hmm. technically doing market making across all of those exchanges. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So we do have a number of uh, market makers as partners who are you know, regularly using the terminal um because yeah it's just it, it makes sense for them to be able to to operate across multiple exchanges that they're that they're working with yeah and technically one book yeah exactly yeah and it's decentralized it's kind of like it's holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's huge yeah for sure so i mean there's a lot there's a lot still to do but i think as i said last year was us laying the foundations laying the groundwork for us to be able to deliver i think that this year uh, we, we had a bit of a, a lull at the end of last year while, while the, the development team were focusing on, on getting everything ready. And now everything is pretty much like, you know, ready for deployment or, or nearing um, nearing deployment. So it's just having a, a quick succession of us being able to deliver, um, you know, solutions, partnerships, rather than just, you know, just announcing new partnerships all the time. We want to focus on the partnerships we've already announced and bring them to fruition, you know, rather than just like partnerships or optics. So. Right. No, yeah. absolutely. And you see, it is interesting, John, I always joke, but there's like, you see that a lot in the space of people like, oh, let's do a partnership. It's like, well, what comes with that? Yeah. Right. And like, we're, we're, yeah, we're really big about like, you know, we, when we delivered like, you know, on the new brand and a lunar token and everything, like it worked on the first day. Like yeah. we spent months and months and months and months like organizing, strategizing, figuring that out and then literally launching it live. Like you just, because you just don't see that as much in this space. And it's, it's, um, 
you know, I think it's why a lot, like you're saying, people are moving back to fundamentals. It's mm -hmm. why a lot of the big money and a lot of kind of the traditional folks that are investing in other types of assets are like, well, I'm not going to invest in that, like, you yeah. know, any stock kind of vaporware type oriented thing. It's like, but it is different, I would say, because it's like, like phantom, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's going to be one piece of like the future internet, right? Yeah. And that's a diff completely different type of asset that you couldn't invest in the internet when it came out. Right. Like, and I think that's what people miss is like when you're investing in this, one of these layer ones, and if they're going to win, you're investing in what like TCP IP, you're investing in the internet. Um, and it's like, if, if you guys can be that connector, mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, we are a, a chain agnostic, you're talking about Phantom, a, a chain agnostic protocol, but our goal is to move you know, via Ryan Bridge all transactions on the protocol, regardless of the chain, to to the chain with the you know the cheapest transactions and the, and the lowest fees so i guess you know we'll see <laughs> over time who that who that chain is um mm -hmm. currently out of the three that are, are in our, our network right now it is of course phantom but you know, who who knows what what the future holds there may be a, a newer one coming up but um yeah so i think it, it kind of feels like a bit of a race to the bottom with with l ones right with both transaction um transaction fees and and you know high speeds so yeah that's it's going to be a long tail game for sure mm -hmm. yeah it also seems like it's a it's a huge game of investment right now you look at some of these funds that are out there it's just mind-blowing to get their application layers built out across the community the investments the valuations so high yeah um, pretty impressive I, I guess yeah what really makes the difference is is the Kind of being being like the ability to be able to build on them because we've worked with a, a number of different chains that are harder to build on than others phantom for us was super easy um you know the documentation is really clear obviously they're evm compatible but i still think some are doing it better than than others and it's they're they're enabling scalability by by doing so and so what you you guys are launching the bridge today or had just launched a couple hours ago i mean how are you guys like judging success a little bit in these early days and then like you know do you have kind of fast follow roadmap stuff that's going to be implemented is it kind of like you said like moving over to other chains and making sure that that's all kind of dialed and integrated and like what is yeah what does success look like here in the first like 30 days so we will be adding new assets weekly um and um beyond that you know, we i'm confident that there, there will be a, a new chain integration within that 30 days hopefully don't <laughs> touch wood um so um yeah it's just about bringing more more assets we've got um you know a number of centralized exchanges coming on board as well um so making it more usable more more valuable um bolstering that liquidity whether it's you know assets um exchanges or or, or different chains and then as i touched on earlier it it's v the next stage is v2 of the broken of the um of the bridge which has our our public broker network and that's really what i'm excited about because it means that that there will be pretty much any asset given there's sufficient liquidity on any on any supported chain um so obviously we are starting smaller i know there are chains in market that have uh, there are sorry bridges more uh, there are bridges in market with more chains and more assets and that's fine because what you know what we're building is different to, to their offering it's more secure it's faster and you know we obviously wanted to walk before we could run not launching with a ton of different assets without sufficient liquidity um 
so yeah, really, this was kind of a I wouldn't say test phase, but you know, just seeing how um, seeing how the public responded to it, and then growing it from there, rather than like, spreading ourselves too thin with a multitude of different um, chains and assets. So it's going to be slow but steady growth until we get to that point where you know, we bring on the, the public broker network, and then it's just kind of like blows up because anyone uh, can provide liquidity. So quick question on that. So if there's a public broker network and this is all cross chain, you know, how do you look at the the liquidity rewards to those LP providers? Like, is that is that in Orin? Is that in other tokens? Is that a combination of things? Is it multiple tokens? How do, how do you see that happening? So right now we have zero uh, percent, zero bridge fees because um, we wanted, you know, we didn't want to take a cut. When we do bring on the public broker network, we will have a small fee, obviously, to incentivize that. Um, I'm, we're we're looking at different models of rewards at the moment, whether that be ORN or um, or the asset that they are, you know, providing liquidity for. So, uh, before we release the public broker network, we will have more more details on that. And do you, do you see that as like they're, they'll be providing like a 50-50 split on a couple assets too? Is that or is there single-sided rewards it, or? It would be single-sided because they don't need to provide a, a matched asset. It's just it, our, our broker network um, that we've spoken about implementing was a 10k, um, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of ORN in order to become a broker. So I imagine it would be similar to that. Um, but again, it, it varies depending on you know, what like less less liquid assets more liquid assets the the process of choosing a broker um in the back end is is complex and is you know depends based on how much they're staking how um you know how frequently they're chosen to transact how uh you know how how much liquidity they have and obviously we don't want to deplete all their liquidity so there's a number of different factors at play there um but yeah it um we the number that we have kind of communicated thus far is is ten thousand dollars worth of of born of minimum to become a broker. That, that that's huge, and that that's also like so much easier for so many people. Like if someone's got you know hundred thousand dollars of Ethereum, they don't want to mm -hmm. have to sell half into another asset just to right. leverage fifty thousand dollars of Ethereum. They want to keep a hundred and earn more Ethereum. Yeah. So exactly. that's pretty interesting. I really like that. That's cool. Yeah. And and then obviously they need to, they do need to provide other assets as well, but it's not um, you know it's not paired. So um, yeah. And and so like like on the bridge a little bit, you know if there's projects, all these projects have already bridged over and are using other bridges in in different ways. And so what is, you know, how does that impact if there's like a project that's like oh we just bridged over on this one chain or this one you know provider this other provider? I mean are you are you thinking people will have to unwind some of that people will unwind that more in the future or they'll just use this as an additive on top of it yeah i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it would need to like cannibalize their existing bridges and partnerships um ultimately our goal is to prove ourselves as more valuable than other bridges because of you know the fact that it is immediate um the the you know that it's secure and it's truly decentralized so over time we i'm sure we will end up capturing that market share um anyway providing that we grow fast enough to do so um so we don't i mean we are in talks with a number of different chains to you know, beyond beyond phantom and matic to become their sort of like their their point of call for bridging their assets 
So that can becomes a, another revenue stream on, on top of that and kind of creating a white label bridge essentially. Um, but you know, it doesn't mean that they aren't able to have their, their assets elsewhere. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. It would be, I could see projects that have other kind of like smart contracts that are locked up across these bridges and seeing like, hey, you actually, what you want to do is unwind all of that, move it back to its original place, and then start using atomic swaps. And like, whether it's white labeling that or you guys become kind of a terminal for that in and of itself, because it's mm -hmm. like, sometimes there's like that third party aspect of like trust, like trust, even though, you know, and it is decentralized that, um, you know, the community likes, I would say. Yeah, they, they just become a broker themselves. We don't touch their assets, you know, right. they exactly so it's just it makes a lot more sense than as you said having that liquidity locked up on you know multi-chain or or wherever else so um i'd love to come back to the user experience side of things I and mean, we were talking about it earlier and you know where you know i know you're all about like having a great user experience and adopting a, a wider audience and I, I just would wonder if you have anything specific like where do you see the issues now Mm -hmm. And and where where do you think uh, both in Orion and just in general, what are the areas that need to be addressed from a UX standpoint? Um, well, from Orion, we actually have a kind of terminal redesign underway, and I think it's not having things in obvious places. You know, if you have to look for something and can't figure out where my pools are, or having data shown to you clearly, like I have my funds staked here, here, and here. Um, I think it's that sort of like aggregation of data of your activity on the platform that that's an area we need to improve to be able to show not just their, you know, what's in their wallet, but their staked amount, um, how much they've earned and, um, you know, for people to be able to make better, you know, pooling, farming investment decisions based off of that. Um, and I guess that, that really for me would apply to, you know, across the market is just having that simple way of understanding not just what like not just the the data on the on the platform itself but your own data and and your activity and i i don't i don't think you know i i'm trying to think of a platform that i see that does that really well i can't i'm maybe you guys have an example but i think um yeah it's just being able to understand you know not yeah not just what is um not just what the platform's doing but what you guys are as well yeah, for sure. And I feel like mm -hmm. with these, it's like there's it's there's such a disparate, like the tools are all over the place for people, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, we and it's it's crazy because I always said like there's so many like accounting tools that need to be like built, right? Yeah. Where because it's like it's all public, it's there, it's readable, it's all the same kind <laughs> of like, you know, like hierarchy of data on like the like ether scans and the view blocks and like PSC mm -hmm. scans and like, you know, poly scan, like these are all the same. It's the data is structured the same. And it's like, yeah. it should be so simple, like, especially for projects that have like treasury management and things like that to just like put an address in and like literally know everything you want to know about anything that you need to know. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's, and I think that's going to be, you know, a paradigm shift when you think about like accounting in the future for like tokens that launch like security tokens, like actual security tokens. Like, I think we should see a, a lot more of that. It's still a mm -hmm. better way to launch something. And if there were more tools that made it easy, it's like, we would see a lot more action, I think over on that side, yeah. um, because it's all, it's all public. It's all there. Yeah. I guess it's also just, um, 
it's subjective really isn't it what data you need and and we have we created our terminal one way and then someone came and built OnScan, which pulled a load of different data that we weren't reporting, but there was demand for, you know, like bull versus bear or highest transaction on the terminal today. So um, I guess, yeah, really ultimately it comes back to what we were saying about open source and right. people being able to, to use that data and to visualize and understand what's happening on the system via, um, yeah, via these SDKs. And APIs. Yeah, the co it's the composability factor that changes mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I, I know you got a very busy day, so <laughs> I, you know, I want to uh, congratulate you um, on, on all the work and effort. And uh, the, like the site looks great, the app looks great. I'm really excited, um, you know, for what's coming here in the future and in the short term future as well yeah. um, with everything. So, Thank John, I don't you. know if you got any anything else, any other questions from the community on Twitter or anything. I mean, I want to know what Timothy does for fun. Like, what what are what are things that people don't know about you? I know you said you don't go outside, yeah. but other than that, like, what do you do for fun? You're in Miami, one of the funnest places in the world. <laughs> oh, sorry, gotta go. Um, <laughs> um, I I mean, oh god, I'm trying to think when I last went out. I was like going out to, to music events, but um, you know, even though you know, um, you know, there's, there is COVID here, people don't really seem too bothered by that, so. There is a, a lot going on in Miami uh, for that when I actually do leave the house. So, yeah, nice. some live music. Live music. Okay. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> and a yeah. walk. Just getting outside the house for a walk sometimes. That That is just the, the that's how sad my life is that that's like the, the, <laughs> the good part of my day. But, well, it sounds like it sounds like you're so busy. I mean, what, what are some tactics that you use to stay sane in the middle of being so busy? It's hard. I think yeah, everything comes in waves, doesn't it? Although, you know, this wave seems to have lasted a long time. Um, there are days where you can just take, I mean, I've started like turning notifications off <laughs> at, at night so that I'm not, because you know, otherwise it's like I'm up at one, two, three, checking my phone um, and reading Telegram and stuff. So I guess it's just like setting little boundaries and barriers um, and you know, not everything needs to be responded to immediately as much as, yeah, we can sometimes think think it does need to be um yeah just just remembering the the long-term goals remembering you know being proud of what we're building and um being excited for what's next really helps me through the you know the, the difficult times and, and the stress so it sounds like you got a lot of exciting things coming up very yeah. exciting and so including, they, I'm, I'm yeah including so uh, just a remodel of the apartment yeah. there yeah really um, sorry Oh, that's, no, it's all good. And I appreciate the sharing. It is something in the crypto space. I think, you know, we're all like just hearing you talk about like Telegram. It's like, I, I can't even tell you the quantity. Yeah. And it's like, it's unbelievable. But it's everyone is kind of still in that startup mode. And it's like speed is everything. Yeah. And it's like when you get this many people in a budding industry that are all trying to work at that breakneck speed. It's kind yeah. of like, oh, we have this partnership thing. We're going to knock this thing out in five days where it's like that would normally take like a couple of months, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically like, hey, we got to like, talk about like how we're going to brand this, what's going to go on with this, how we're going to get it out to the world. Like what's the yeah. marketing calendar look like and like which resources are allocated towards it versus like it turns into just like, hey, we're partnering Slack message. Like we're now building this thing. And it's yeah. just the market is just moving at that speed. And I, it, I, 
slightly looking forward to it potentially slowing down a little bit just based on where it's at but yeah i don't know it's going to take some time well as much as as much as it's a strange thing to say it's like when the market's down it's actually a little bit more peaceful there's more time to build there's not this just like push we've got to go we've got to chase that price pump you know like when the market is um is suffering a little bit i do feel like we have more time to to catch up and focus on building for building's sake not building or not releasing an ounce because you'll see people being like the market's green time to announce something what's well, like well yep. no, you know that's that's not how it works but um yeah with with red days as much as you know they hurt it it gives you i feel like a little bit more time to focus on what's important rather than just like price action yeah no 100 you're exactly right and it's um it, it's this building time and it's almost like you know, I don't know how long you've been in the industry, but it's like the other day I was like, oh, I know it feels like a slight bear market. Someone's like, yeah, we're just smack dab in the middle of like a ridiculous bear market right now. Mm -hmm. But it just it doesn't feel like that if you've been in the space for so long. You know, yeah. at some point you just you're just going and maybe because it's like you, you've you just seen this happen so many times, but it doesn't even like it doesn't even feel like a bear market. It's like you can't even like trust your instincts on when the bottom's going to hit because it's like it doesn't even matter yeah well it's like that that um the meme with james franco and he's got a noose around his neck and he looks to the side and he's like first time i love it yeah awesome well timothy congrats um Sorry. congrats on everything with with orion and the launch of the bridge um and i'm sure we'll be chatting here very soon um yeah. but thank you so much thank you guys everyone in the audience for listening to us check them out um what is it orionprotocol.io Yes, and to yep. access the bridge, it's trade.orionprotocol.io. Trade.orionprotocol.io. Yeah. Thank you very much. And John, my man, as always, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Bye, Thanks All for right. joining us.